Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. I bet you thought the world was fucked up in 2023, right? Well, let me tell you, things get a lot worse in 2033. Huey, what's going down? Uh, here I am making the sickest cones on the planet. But where have all the surfers gone? It's a disaster, mate. Oh, they're still around. They just don't remember their surfers anymore. Fuck sticks. We need a hero. You mean someone like him? Nick Fanning! Tell him to get his crew together to make the greatest surf movie in the universe. If he fails, I'm gonna melt his fucking face off. Nick, I've been sent here to give you a mission to save surfing. Let's do this. Get fucked! Away, hot unicorn. Mason! Wilco! And I! Do you remember me? Oh, yes! Okay, guys. So, um... What are you on, can't Mick? I got this. Hey, stop ruining my horse! Oh, shit. Come at me, bro. You failed, boys. Unless you've got a time machine, Stephanie lost! Oi! Time to end this shit. Kidding me? Remember, the future of surfing is depending on us. That is dead set, the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 528. Currently on a roadshow tour across Australia is the greatest surf movie in the universe, a stop-motion comedy that spoofs surf culture, yet does so with a big heart, filthy mouth, and a love for all things ridiculous. Featuring the likes of surfing greats Mick Fanning, Kelly Slater, and Mason Ho, along with Luke Hemsworth, the greatest surf movie in the universe harkens back to a time when Australian film used to embrace its silly side without fear or favour. And joining me now is the co-director of the greatest surf movie in the universe, Mr. Vaughan Blakey. Vaughan, how are you today? Hello, Matt. Very well. Thank you for having us on. Well, absolutely. And I just want to let everyone know, um, currently there is a premiere on May 22nd at the Hayden Orpheum. Um, and also at the Byron Theatre, I believe there's a second show, um, uh, another show added soon. Um, or maybe that's already passed. I think that might have already passed. But May's 22nd, Hayden Orpheum in Sydney. You can go to garage.com.au and find tickets there. And I do really recommend people uh, watch this in the cinemas, more because I don't know about you, but I think this is the kind of film that really works with a, communi- with a community, with a with a crowd of, of people. And I know you've had some some screening so far on your, on your roadshow. How's, be, how's the reception been to the film? And, and what's it like for you uh, to be able to uh, – have a movie out there now after three or so years of working on it. 
<laughs> yeah, mate. Um, you, you couldn't be more spot on. I mean, if you're a surfer and you have grown up surfing in this country in particular, I think that there's a a cultural reconnection to sort of um, a time where where surfing wasn't as mainstream and it was a little bit more of a, a subculture of degenerates and uh, iconoclasts and just really, you know, out there folk who were living on the fringe of society and really enjoyed um, sort of not being part of the mainstream. And so uh, even though surfing has become a, a much more sort of acceptable thing to do in, you know, terms of like what where it sits in society, a lot of us grew up in a time where that wasn't so much the case. So, um, yeah, this this sort of is a throwback to that time. And judging from the responses in cinemas, which have been heavily populated with with surfers in the sort of, uh, I'd say, 30 to 50 range, um, yeah, the response has been nonstop laughter. And, like, I've been to a few films, comedies, where you you get a couple of laughs here and there, but... Uh, this is just non-stop. It's fantastic. Like the jokes have really landed. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, as you said in your intro, kind of quite basic sort of, uh, I don't want to say gutter or toilet humour, but there is a bit of that sort of stuff in there. Base, just, just that sort of like real primal elemental humour where you, you're not scared to just laugh at, at anything. Because at the end of the day, you know, surfing is just a, a fun thing to do. You, you're quite privileged if you're able to surf. Um, particularly in this country, and um, it's nice to just be able to tear it down and laugh at it, but without actually uh, demeaning it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, absolutely. I mean, with me, when I watched a film, I think it it kind of harkens back to the days where once upon a time in Australian film and Australian cinema, you had guys like the late, great Barry Humphreys and Barry Crocker, and they had movies like The Adventures of, of Barry McKenzie, and it's like this really kind of segment of Australian cinema where it's not about being mean-spirited, it's about having a sense of humour, it's a sense of comedy and about, you know, going um, you are going to places uh, comedy-wise where some people might not be comfortable with, but it's funny nevertheless anyway. And is that something that, like, yourself and Nick really wanted to, to bring about is just, like, make sure that, that a sense of humour is present in Australian cinema? Because I don't know about you, I've been covering, you know, strain film for over like 17, 18 years now. And I think it's gotten a little too serious, a little too up itself over the years. And it's good to have a film kind of like your movie to just kind of like, you know, bring a bring a sense of humour back back in it. But not only a sense of humour, but a quintessential strain sense of humour to it as well. Oh, mate. Yeah, I think when I was a Grom, uh, it definitely wasn't something we did intentionally and certainly not for uh, the Australian cinematic community. <laughs> but I, I definitely feel like we did that in response to sort of surfing going down the same path where, yeah. you know, surfing is in a, an incredible place right now, Matt. Like it's so inclusive. It's so, uh, it, it's really about, you know, making sure everyone has the opportunity and potential to enjoy surfing. And, and that's fantastic. And that is amazing, but it doesn't have to come at the expense of being, you know, uh, yeah. Like you're saying, having a sense of humor. I, I think if your sense of humor is, um, not being mean and not putting people down or not being sort of, you know, ignorant, um, then, yeah, you can be as ridiculous and as stupid as you want. And I, I know that uh, what you're talking about in Australian cinema, I can definitely relate to that. I feel like the Australian comedies of far out, the 70s and 80s in particular, and then even into the 90s, 
that there were some incredibly funny movies being made, but we just seem to have, I don't know why we're not, we're not tapping into that humor anymore. Maybe it's just the, the sort of a reflection of society. Maybe, um, maybe everyone's just, you know, overly cautious about who they uh, could potentially offend. And I just don't know if that's the right thing to do as an artist is worry about being offended or offending people because, you know, to offend people in this culture and in this time, it, it seems to be the end of a conversation. Like it's like the full stop. You offend someone, you risk being cancelled, your reputation goes down the tube, all this. But really, you know, offending people should be the start of a conversation. If you make people feel uh, uncomfortable, well, we're not here to make sure that your sensibilities are looked after. We're here because that un- discomfort needs to be addressed. Like if you if you feel any discomfort, you've, you've got to like want, like figure out within yourself where that's coming from and why you're uncomfortable with it. And then, you know, talk and, and get the discussion rolling. So uh, in a very it's, – it's so weird to talk about this in relation to the film that we've made. <laughs> <laughs> because it really is so ridiculous. But to kind of answer your question, no, I don't think it was intentional. But one thing Nick and I did right from the word go was just try to make each other laugh as much as we could. Like if if we could get the, the you know, because I wrote the script, I wrote it to make Nick laugh. I didn't write it so that even thinking for one second that people would be watching this on a big screen. And um yeah, the the way the film got momentum and its its journey to the big screen was almost like a step by step thing. Like it, it started off as just a tiny project that Nick and I were going to make, and then it got the backing of Bronte Pictures, who you know saw something uh, similar to what you saw when you watched it and saw the potential, and just went, "Yeah, this is this is actually good timing for something like this." And full, uh, you know, credit to them and thank you to them for for making it happen because. Um, yeah, it actually is quite satisfying to sit in a room full of people laughing at, you know, dick jokes, basically. <laughs> Where did a stop-motion animation part of it kind of come into fruition? Was this something that I know Nick, Nick, that's something that's really hands-on, like Nick's kind of territorial stuff, and, I know, and I've I heard in an interview you say before that it took him like two and a half years of like just him being in his garage and moving these figures, you know, inch by inch waiting for extra little pieces to come from different places, make new models, et cetera. Um, you know, the, the idea to make stop uh, and some motion animation, it's not something you see much uh, anymore. I think I maybe I've seen maybe three or four movies like that in the last like 10 years or so uh, to see one is, is, is quite a treat. So where did that idea kind of come from? And, and once you guys were in the, the swing of it, uh, any kind of regrets in regards to going down that la- uh, that lane because it does take a long time to get a movie like that uh, put together. Yeah, um, it was quite satisfying actually. The stop motion animation. The the more we did it, the more we learned what we could do. So we were at first everything was quite two dimensional, and then we understood that you know if we had characters turning away from each other, like just weird, weird little tricks that you can use to make uh, a scene more dynamic. And we just, hmm. like I say, the further we went into it, the more we were able to sort of flex uh, what we'd learned. And, and the film is made chronologically pretty much. I, I'm almost positive it, it starts off with two characters and it ends with, uh, you know, an all-in brawl. And you can imagine that if we tried to film that brawl first, we would have had no idea what we were doing. So, um yeah, that was cool, but I, I think that the the idea for it just came from 
Mick Fanning having a, a bobblehead made of him um, years and years ago, and Nick just ripped that bobblehead off and started fooling around with a bit of stop motion animation, and that was his that was his baby. After that, he just went, "I want to make a whole movie of this," and um, yeah, it just it flew on from that. He tried to get me involved pretty early, but I, I wasn't really that. Uh, I wasn't as stoked on the stop motion animation as he was. <laughs> mm. And I eventually um, sort of came around when he started getting, basically I came around because he got a bit of budget to make it because it was like I could see how time consuming it was going to be. And uh, I knew that once you're in on a project like this, you you really, you need to, Far out, be able to justify that you're spending time in a garage to your wife and your family playing mm. with dolls, uh, you know, for three years. There's got to be some sort of um, remuneration for, for the, just the peace in the home life. But it was funny because Nick, Nick went through so much making this film. He, he had a baby. He renovated his house. He had a second baby. Then he sold his house, and and this was all in the time that he was just sitting in his garage making this stuff. So, yeah, it was a massive labour of love and an intensive, hectic workload, particularly for him because, you know, I'd go home and he'd just sit up till three in the morning just playing with his dolls. The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is brought to you by Tee Public. Tee Public is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. With over 1.2 million designs, Tee Public is sure to have something you will love. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Amazon. The world's leading online store, Amazon is your first stop to buy a wide range of products at competitive prices with fast delivery times. Amazon is also a world-class entertainment hub that includes Prime Video, Audible, Twitch, Amazon Music, and more. Sign up with Amazon today and experience the best in online shopping and entertainment. Please support Matt's movie reviews on Patreon. Get access to exclusive content, request movie reviews and top 10 lists, and help support my work. Please click on the Patreon link in the description below. You mentioned uh, Mick Fanning just then, and I said in my intro, you know, you got Mick Fanning and you got Mason Ho, you got a bunch of other really kind of top-notch like, surfing talent involved in the movie, pretty much kind of like playing caricatures of themselves um, you know, throughout the film. And I think what's in really important for that to happen is that I, I, I would imagine that maybe some people might have been approached and they couldn't really you know, separate their ego from like what the, the the project is and what it became. But when you have like guys like Mick Mick and Mason and, and other people as well, how important was it for them to be able to look at this uh, film not as kind of like a um not as a represent representation of who they are, but kind of like just a just taking a piss out of themselves and just the the, the surfing culture as a whole and just having fun with it. Because I imagine um that uh, them letting go of their egos. Um, and just going with the flow in regards to production in, in the direction that you guys wanted to go um, go with would have been a huge step forward in getting this film ma- made. Yeah, I think it was absolutely crucial. I don't know if we would have got the funding if Mick and Mason weren't already invested. And Nick, Paulette, uh, and I, we've made many films with those two guys, um, not so much cinematic or, or full story narratives, but we've made a lot of different surf films for Rip Curl starring those mm. two guys um, they're called search films um and 
basically Nick and Mace, you know, over the past five years have just come to trust the creative vision that Nick and I have. And so when it came to get me involved, they were all in. They were just went, yeah, if you guys are making it, sweet, because we've had a lot of success with those two guys on, on these other projects. But it, it was a little bit scary because um, when we got those guys to record their voices, we didn't actually give them the entire script. We just gave – and this is all the surfers in it. I think there's um, six or seven surfers in total. And we didn't want to sort of ruin the surprise of of the film for them. So we just gave them their lines, directed them uh, in terms of what emotion they had to read them with. And then once we'd recorded everyone's voices, we sliced them all together into conversations. And so when the surfers went to the premieres, they literally had no idea what the storyline was, how what they had said in their recordings related to what the other surfers were saying. So they were sitting there and watching it all for the first time uh, as a film, as a storyline in the cinema, <laughs> which, uh, you know, was a little bit scary because, like, uh, you know, that, that, that requires a lot of trust on their part to yeah. know that we're not going to completely stitch them up. I mean, and uh, it, it's all worked. Everyone's seen it except for Mick Fanning. He's, he hasn't seen it yet. He's currently on a boat trip in the Mentawise in Indonesia. And Nick Pollett is, uh, you know, who is the director of the film, and uh, he is on that boat trip. So I think they're going to show him on the big screen in the boat. Wow. Oh, well, I'd love yeah. to know what his reaction reaction is to the movie because it's really interesting how he kind of put it together. It's almost kind of like a big kind of like jigsaw puzzle, like these different pieces and, and put together. And, and for everyone to understand as well, they're not the only ones who who were the first people to see the film at the premiere. You didn't really show the film to, or at least to with the exception of people in, in the in the in the uh, crew and maybe your distributor, but like there was no kind of test screenings or feedback screens or anything like that. What you had at the premiere was. The, the first and final version and the only version that went to public. Is that correct? That, that's exactly right. No one had seen it. Um, Post Lounge had seen it and obviously uh, the the distributors and producers had seen it. But that was terrifying. I, I actually didn't understand like how much stress and anxiety I would feel in the lead up because – you know, it's one thing to be sitting in a room for three years not showing anyone and just working on it and making your buddy laugh and having heaps of fun. And then it's another mm. thing to turn up to a packed house and all the pressure of knowing that the surfers, you know, all of a sudden it was, I was thinking, oh, my God, what if the surfers hate this thing? Like what if what if the jokes don't land? What if, uh, you know, it's really offensive and, and I've sort of misread my own sense of humour and all this sort of thing. And um, one of the worst things happened. A friend of mine brought his 11-year-old daughter to the oh, premiere. No. And and I was just devastated. I said to him, like, this is an adults-only film. This is actually borderline, you know, R-rated. Like, please don't bring your daughter. And for some reason, he either didn't listen or whatever, and, and it just ruined the entire night for me. I, I was so rattled because... It's not made for children. It is not a kid's movie. I mean, I'm okay with parents who feel like their kids are up for watching it. That's fine. But mm. I just didn't feel like this was appropriate. And um, so, mate, it took me basically uh, two or three more showings before I was going, oh, hang on a minute. There's no need to panic here, man. Like, everything's good. The surfers loved it. And, and as I say, you know, like, you go to a comedy and, I, I, look, 
use like a, a Will Ferrell comedy or like the other guys or um, maybe Grimsby or a, a, a Sasha Baron Cohen movie where the laughs are quite thick and fast. Like you can mm. laugh a lot in, in a Borat or um, Bruno or, or anything Sasha does because there's just so much envelope pushing going on constantly. Um, but it's not always like that in cinemas and particularly comedies. I think you get like maybe two or three laughs that are full gut busters where the whole cinema's ripping. And then a lot of the time, you know, lots of giggles. But I knew it was landing because, as I said, the, the four, three or four showings we've had have just been nonstop, start to finish, lots of laughing, and um, it's been really satisfying. So I got past that initial stress, mate, but no thanks to my mate bringing his daughter, that's for sure. I want to talk about the music in the film because there's original compositions in the movie. Um, and so credited as your composer in the film is Elaine Dekan. Um, he does a lot of the original music and the other sound department stuff as well. But you yourself, Vaughn, like you, you're a part of the Goons of Doom and you have a lot of kind of like tracks in your repertoire that's very similar and lyric-wise lyric, lyric uh, to some of yep. the songs that we hear in the movie. Um, how much did you put in uh, in regards to the songwriting in um, in the songs shown in, in the film or is it all just Elaine um, t- taking care of that? No, it's it's all Alan. He he did every bit of sound engineering from you know jackets swooping and arms moving to uh, you know the, the entire soundtrack. He is so talented. He's he's he can play everything. He's a sound engineer, so he records everything on his own. He he pulled in a few different voices, and um, yeah, I did contribute to one of the songs. But um, he's just I, I really don't know how to describe him other than uh a total freak genius <laughs> which is funny because you know I, I always uh you know if you, you sort of hear directors and stuff talk about this the sound engineering departments that's how a lot of these people are described because you know they bring so much emotions they're, they're absolutely crucial to every single moment in the film to to add that extra layer of either meaning or stress or or build up or or brevity or whatever whatever it is it, it relies so much on these guys and he just he and nick have been best friends forever and ever they're in a band together actually called um lake krills and mm-hmm. they make really good really good music but yeah he he his contribution to this film just can't even be understated at all because uh he would you know, we'd describe a character, we'd describe a scene to him, and he would uh, go home that night, do a demo, and have it ready, and we could actually start working on that scene with the full emotion of it in check. He was that quick, and then he redid everything towards the end to make sure it was all polished. Well, I think he did a really great job in the film because it was interesting watching it. At first, I thought I was listening to something like you know that might have been recorded before, but then the lyrics it was like, wait a minute, I think this is written for the film. Sure enough, it was, and I reckon it's it's, it's really right in tune with the humor in the movie. And I think what's really interesting about after I watched you know the greatest um, surf movie in the universe is that it kind of I, I kind of had to I wrote down in my notes is like you know what is a surf movie because I've I have seen different documentaries and not so many kind of like dramas and such. I've been a few, but mostly like surf films do come in the form of documentaries, real-life stories. And 
there's the same kind of um, subjects do kind of come into the equation. Um, some of it has to do with spirituality. Some of it has to do with environment. Some of it has to do with philosophy or trauma. A movie like this, of course, you know, isn't going to tap into a lot of those things. It does spoof some of those things as well. And I think that's what's really important in, in regards to your film. And, of course, it is a film made to have a good time and made to enjoy. But also, I think, hopefully, can just shake things up a little bit in regards into approach of filmmakers can have towards the subject of surfing on screen because I I think that um, there needs to be a little more variety in the approach not only to how it's um, done on screen but you know different kind of uh, things you can say about uh, uh, surfing as a whole because from what I can tell from 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 your perspective of it that it's not you know those other things in regards to spirituality and philosophy and and, and connection to to the oceans or what have you that's all well and good but not everyone is in surfing for that on for that on its own. No, and I think that uh, what you're touching on there is very true. Uh, surfing, it, it only needs to be what you need it to be for you. Like you, you don't mm. need it. If you want to tap into surfing as a, a healing experience, as a spiritual experience, as something that is important and not to be laughed about, that's completely fine because it can be that to you and it, and it has every right to be that to the individual and their experience of it. But like I said before, not at the expense of other people enjoying surfing in their way and, and in the, a way that is meaningful to them. And I think where we're at in surfing is, uh, you know, there's a very sort of glossy um, professional, you know, like it, it's a it's a pathway to for a lot of people, whether it's a sport, whether it's uh you know, a chance for escapism and all of that. Uh, and I think it all has every right to exist, but this has every right to exist as well. And that's yeah. that's my sort of area of satisfaction at the end of making this film is, yeah, it, it can be whatever you want it to be, but it's allowed to be and it should be. And um, that's cool. That makes me feel good. And uh, just on, uh, on your point about humour, like if you want to find – some insane surfing humor and really good commentary and spoofing. It's all there. It's just that it's on social media and it's being done by kids who will probably one day make films. You know, like mm. I, I think what we're on the cusp of is a massive movement of really, really funny stuff that's going to start coming out. And, you know, I, I would even argue that, you know, the inspired unemployed, um, you know, they, are really good surfers they know how to laugh like they, they know how to get you laughing and you know everyone who's come sort of in the wake of those guys has the potential to reawaken a really massive uh gap in surf filmmaking for sure and, and i think that this will probably be a bit of a spark and, and maybe get everyone thinking that they can go bigger with their ideas and their um their creative sort of outlets Definitely, it has been a long time since we've seen just an all-out feature-length comedy on surfing. Like, I can't yeah. – I, I feel like Surfer Dude might have been the last one and, and that one missed the mark completely. Mm. <laughs> it's, it's funny. Like, it's almost like you know, the more earnest you try to make your film uh, about surfing, particularly if it's Hollywood doing it, the, the more of an unintentional comedy it becomes. But, but yeah, this, is, this is, was a, an intentional – um, sort of no holds barred, no punches pulled attempt to make a surf comedy. Uh, there's definitely no questioning that. And 
yeah, I think I'm really happy with the result. Like, it's definitely not going to be everyone's cup of tea. I wouldn't, you know, I don't even know if I could watch it sitting next to my mum, but I know that it's going to land for a lot of kids and uh, they're going to have a fun time watching it. And so for everyone out there listening, the greatest surf movie in the universe, currently on a uh, roadshow around the country. So next stop, Hayden Orpheum in Sydney, Monday, 22nd of May. Go to garage.com.au, find out more information and buy tickets. And I really recommend um, that people, if you're going to watch this, take your friends with you, go out to the cinema, have a good time with it. Because this is the film, to me, you really have to go with the flow, with the comedy. You really have to just embrace the movie for what it is. And for me, it's kind of like a mix of kind of like the Blues Brothers and Team America. You know, these guys are on a mission to uh, bring back surfing um, and they're going to do it uh, any way that they can. And it's done with uh, lots of humor. There's heart in there as well, but lots of humor as well. Um, and I just think it's a really well done. I think it's, it's a movie that I really appreciate because, as I said before, um, the perception of what a surf movie is uh, compared to a movie like The Greatest Surf Movie in the Universe, a movie like this, I think, really does shake the foundations. And I think movies need to do that. Um, and, uh, and it's also great to see a comedy that's willing to embrace a really kind of un-PC nature uh, from Australian filmmakers because we don't see that enough. And I, and I actually love comedy like that. And uh, Vaughan Blakey, I thank you so very much for your time today. Best of luck with the film's release um, and um, the roadshow around the, uh, the country. And, um, yeah, man, if another film comes up, please let me know. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today. You too, Matt. Thanks for having us on. And, um, yeah, I'm really glad you enjoyed it, mate. That's, uh, that's lovely to hear, especially, um, you know, in light of the fact that uh, it's it hasn't really travelled outside the surf world all that much. I think the only people have seen the surfers. So I'm really stoked that, you know, it can sort of get into a wider sphere of the community and, and hopefully be enjoyed as well.